Behind the Bottom Line, a podcast that explores business, taxes, legislation, leadership, and more through candid conversation with business leaders. This is a production of Corporate Tax Advisors. For the last 15 years, CTA has helped small and mid-sized businesses grow through education and awareness of some of the most highly specialized tax incentive programs offered by the U.S. government. I'm your host, Dawson Furgo, co-founder with CTA and entrepreneur enthusiast for the last 20 years. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with my friend and client, Rob Matthews, professional engineer, president, and founder of Matthews Design Group, now known as Matthews DCCM. Matthews is based in St. Augustine, Florida, and was founded in 2005 as a land development company and evolving into a firm of expertise in landscape architecture, transportation, and land development. Rob is a Clemson University civil engineering grad with a master's of science degree and an entrepreneur with a strong leadership style. One who has an intentional focus on the growth of his employees in what he calls the heart of Matthews DCCM, which has propelled Matthews into a thriving multidiscipline engineering firm by establishing solid long-term partnerships through integrity, honesty, communication, and dependability. Rob's style of leadership is one of build a great team and trust them to do a great job and intuitively knowing when to lead and when to ultimately get out of the way. And oh, Rob is also a scuba diving enthusiast. In this episode, we'll talk with Rob about his leadership style, how he and his firm have matured since inception, and finally why he and his firm chose to go through the R&D tax credit process, lessons learned along the way, and ultimately what this federal incentive program has allowed them to accomplish as a firm. Thank you for listening to today's podcast of Behind the Bottom Line with Rob Matthews of Matthews DCCM. Let's get started. Mr. Rob Matthews, good Thursday afternoon to you, and I appreciate you letting me interrupt your busy split, plate, uh, plate spinning um, Thursday. I know I know how valuable your time is, so again, I, I can't thank you enough for joining this fourth episode um, of Behind the Bottom Line, and um, again, I, I know your time is valuable, so it means a lot to me that you agreed to um entertain us today, so to speak. And so I, I think the best way to start is let's just start in the traditional sense. Um, I did in the preamble, let people know a little bit of your background, but I think it's best from the individual. So if you would be so kind as to you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and your firm. Um, let's see. I am a civil engineer and a graduate, a two-time graduate of Clemson University. Um, so go Tigers. And uh, I've been living in Florida, grew up in South Carolina, uh, but at the beach, and now I live in Florida at the beach. Uh, I've been living here for almost 23 years, and about 18 years ago, I started my firm, Matthews Design Group, and uh, we're a civil, civil engineering firm. Um, and then in October of last year, we were acquired by a company at a text. And uh, so we're one of the companies of DCCM and now we're Matthews DCCM. We're approximately 50 people, but uh, DCCM has about a thousand people and it's growing. So um, it's been a good transition, um, but uh, you know, a lot of work, a lot of fun. Sure, sure. Well, thanks for that intro. And again, as I mentioned, I unpacked a little bit of you for the audience. So it's always good to hear your, uh, you were the one in the story. So I appreciate that. Um, you know, as I got prepared for today's episode, just learning a little bit about you and your in your history and uh, evolution, so to speak. And I, I want to throw a couple, um, three quotes that jumped out at me, and and I'll tell you why I I did so. So the first one is, every time you dive, 
you hope you'll see something new. Sometimes the ocean gives you a gift. Sometimes it doesn't. Okay, that was by James Cameron. And then you got, uh, we dive not to escape life, but for life not to escape us. That was anonymous. And then we've got, for the rich, there is therapy. And for the rest of us, there is scuba diving. Also anonymous. And so I mentioned, you know, like I said, I was saying in the pre-recording, your discipline and enjoyment of scuba diving and you're growing up on the water, uh, working with your dad in the commercial longline fishing realm. And ironically, it seems that both disciplines and enjoyment, scuba and commercial fishing have, you know, some corollaries in, in running your own business. And I, I came across an interview and uh, that you did. And some of the things that I pulled out that you said, Rob, were it taught me the value of hard work and the needing and the need to work as a team, doing what was needed to get the job done and the value of hard work. And then another thing I pulled out, you were talking and speaking about your father, you talked about um, how he, the environment that, that you were in, taught you that, you know, that you can work hard, but not succeed, but you can't let that get you down, right? You'll get another chance tomorrow or try to catch another fish. So here's the question. You know, um, your thoughts, you know, these two past past and present modalities of yours and and what you see is some of the corollaries between into your leadership approach um, as you think about Matthews and DCCM. Uh, that's an interesting statement, interesting lead-in, because it's funny. Um, initially, working with my dad in the summer times, because um, he was a longline fisherman, like the movie The Perfect Storm, He'd be gone, you know, most of the year, two, three weeks out of every month, sometimes longer. So I ended up going fishing with him so I could spend the summers with him and see him uh, and, and you know, continue to develop that relationship with my dad. So I fished with him from the time I was nine to the time I was 15. And then, uh, but on the boat, I always had activities and, you know, sadly, I'd get really seasick for the first couple of days, but we'd be out for two weeks at a time. So, um, but it taught me a lot because it's about not giving up and perseverance, just like you said, which really played out later uh, as an entrepreneur, but as well, um, you know, many of us had to live through 2008, 2009. And that's when I really leaned into it because, you know, I realized that as long as I got up and put my feet on the ground, Matthews' anger was always open. So, you know, I was fortunate enough to be able to retain a few staff, but, you know, we lost like 60% of our staff, uh, almost 70%. And then now, you know, we went down to six people. Now we're back up to over 50 and, you know, part of a much larger organization and been very successful based on our people. But it's about the team and getting the right people on your team. And you can learn quickly on the boat that, what one wrong person does on the team because you're stuck on the boat for two weeks. So, you know, you have to gel together and work. If you, you have the wrong individual, it can be a miserable two weeks. So, you know, that's what we, we've always keyed on trying to lean into the right people from a personality standpoint, from a skill set, and wanting to work and get better. So. Great. Thank you for that. And I did, I'm going to digress here a second because I forgot to ask the question. This very initial question, considering Rob Matthews the third, right? So yeah. your, dad, your grandfather, and then Robbie um, the fourth. The fourth. 
and you growing up on the beach, is that your heritage? I mean, is, is, is Robbie going to extend that and where your, your grandfather and your father, both, you know, sun, uh, kissed beach going individuals. Sounds like they were. No, not really. Um, my grandfather's from Arkansas. Okay. Uh, my dad's from Kansas and, uh, my grandfather was in the Marines. So, uh, he moved, they moved around, um, a lot. And then my dad ended up in my grandfather, grandparents ended up in Beaufort, South Carolina because of the Marine Corps. And that's how my dad ended up. In... I grew up on Hilton Head, which is right across the river from Beaufort. And my dad really never left. So, which I was fortunate that that's a great place to grow up. So the low country of South Carolina, but, but no, Robbie is a, he grew, he grew up right across the street from the beach. He like loves going out on the boat. Not so much the beach, but you know, we'll see. He's big. He's big on history. Loves to do World War II reenactments and things like that. So, you know, if it were up to him, I could see there being a fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth. So. That's, that's fantastic. And I and I have yeah. because I've got four felines of my own. I'm cu curious the irony in this. But how does how does your King? Well, actually, it's a it's a dog. I, I take that back. How does King Charles feel about being na named after a fish? Strike. Yeah, strike. No, I have two two King Charles actually. I've got one named Strike and another one named Lucky. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So, um, my daughter named the second one. My son named the first one. And he's called Strike because he's got a stripe on his nose. Okay, makes sense. Very good. So yeah. So yeah, but we've had uh, the first one for seven years, seven or eight years, and the second one for about two. So. Do they like the boat? Because they're a little rambunctious. They're not big fans of the water. Got it. Got it. Um, well, thank you for that. Um, you know, I guess the next question, Rob, is, you know, thinking back, back to Matthew's inception, you know, when MDG started and yep. reflecting in the present, um, what maybe surprises you the most about yourself in Matthew's prosperity? Um, you know, it was, it was 18 years ago. So I was 32 years old when I started the company. Uh, I'd been out of college for, I went to graduate school right after college. I had school for about eight and a half years. And I started off as a water resources engineer and then got into the land development field. Really loved land development where I could apply my water resource background to unique stormwater projects and things like that. But when we started Matthews Design Group, I had I had, um, I started with myself and one other person and an assistant, and then we grew it to about 20 people in about 18 months. Wow. Just, the economy was on fire. I had um, really strong background in business development and really developed a reputation and really had grown the firm quickly. And it, and it, I was so busy, I didn't realize, you know, how fortunate we were because we were just constantly producing and getting work done. But what really happens is, you know, everything, when everything comes crashing down, when the economy crashes in 2008, you realize how easy it was. And, you know, you just had to keep doing the right things. And that in 2008 and nine, you still had to keep that focus and you worked twice as hard as you did before. You just weren't making any money, but you realize how good, 
the um how important the really good people you have surrounding you. So um and that's how we just continued to build it from then um yeah, I think there's a good dovetail and you said a number of times, good people. Um, and I, I, with a good people, I still think there needs to be some leadership dis discipline. And I, you know, one of the things that things that I think sets you apart um, as a business leader, as I know you, um, is your spirited, some may call it enigmatic, enigmatic, gosh, it's tough to say, enigmatic approach within your leadership style. You know, the guy that you know, I'd like to have a pop with that guy sometime, you know, good, good conversationalist. And you combine that with your invested interest in, you know, the growth of your employees. Uh, it really does seem that you've created a solid recipe for success, not only for Matthews, but also your team members. And I'm, I'm just curious if you would unpack, you know, for listeners, you're feeling that quote unquote, the heart of any company is its people. It, it totally is the people. Um, it's so important to us that we've got, we have an individual that, we created a role called chief growth officer, and now um, we changed it to vice president kind of development, but it's not, it's development of people and making sure that they've got a path forward and making sure that we take care of them, um, but, and that they, they can move forward. The key is growing the people so we can, and then bringing on new people and continuing showing them their path forward. There needs to be leadership in the firm and setting the direction making sure that we have everything right. That's a given. You know, you can't you can't have an organization of more than a few people if there isn't leadership. You know, it, it won't sustain itself. But we've been lucky to be able to, you know, I'm not saying that we don't have turnover and there are people, but we really strive for low turnover. We really strive to get the right people in and make sure that we are working towards, you know, a common goal. And then, you know, we show them reward them by showing we're very open with our numbers on, what our revenue is, and then we tell them what what kind of um, revenue we're going to share with them, so that way they can see what their direct effect is on the bottom line. Great, and then that you know after twenty plus years of honing your trade, uh, you know growing, supporting, learning lessons, probably lessons taught as well, um, and contributing to the prosperity of firms like Dewberry, CEI. Zev Cohen, PA Consultings, and then moving into the new chapter of Incepting MDG. You know, what are some of the biggest challenges you face as a firm today? And how did your career path pre prepare you to navigate some of those challenges? Well, I don't know that my career path helped me with all of them, but you know, the biggest one for us right now is finding the right people. We have such a labor shortage out there of, of qualified and talented people that we've gone to the step of taking high school students and training them up. We're really big on internships, you know, and bringing back and giving back to the community. But, you know, we can only do so much work because we only have so many resources and we're not into the, you know, it goes back to taking care of people. You don't want to burn them out. Our career, you know, from a career path standpoint, I feel like the engineering schools do a disservice to engineers that they don't teach them enough of a business background, you know, so that that way they can understand how business works and that when they become project managers, they're effectively running a small business as a project manager. And then the point is to be you know, efficient and cost effective and generate a profit on a project. So that way you, the overall entity can survive and do well and prosper. You know, we're not a we're not a not-for-profit company, and all the companies that we work with are all trying to make money so they can grow and do new things because 
the biggest thing that's evolved over my 25 years, it, almost 26, is, you know, seeing how people, you know, how team members, employees want more. And, you know, companies have to be profitable to be able to give more. So things of that nature. No, very good. And if you think back to, you know, when you, you know, came out of school, um, you know, the next question I'm going to dive into for, for listeners, just so you're aware that CTA, um, you know, helps Rob and his group take advantage of the federal R&D tax credit incentive. And as you think about, you know, starting MDG, obviously you understand it from the discipline of the engineering side, but you had to evolve into what you know now from leadership, um, finances, you know, the whole business acumen side of the fence. And, and to me, you know, I've been at this a long time, but when you start talking about aspects of, of tax, you know, the largest body of law in the world, CPAs are very, very good at their um, bread and butter, but there's some of these incentives that are highly specialized. And so I'm, I'm just curious, you know, when you first, um, you and your colleagues first heard about the R&D tax credit incentive, um, what was your initial gut reaction when you heard about it? Yes. Thought it was kind of a little too good to be true. And I didn't want to do anything that would open myself up to an audit. So, I mean, you know, it, do, it doesn't make sense. I'm like, we don't do research and development. We're engineers. You know, we we, we do. So um, so that that's what I, what I originally heard about it. But that evolved because you talk, you go to different conferences, you go to CEO roundtables and you talk to people. And one of the people that I consider a good friend and a mentor, John McAdams, he said, made the statement to me, he's like, if you're not doing this, you're putting yourself at an economic disadvantage. So I was like, we looked at it. And, you know, we talked to you know a couple different companies and eventually, you know, talked with you, Dawson and CTA and said, hey, this makes sense. Why aren't we doing this? So then, then we moved forward. Yeah, and so you really a a answer the next question. You know, what was kind of the tipping point? What was the turning point in diving into it? And then so you make the decision to do it, and, but ultimately, you know, an R&D tax credit study process is an administration. It's a project, right? And, and it's new to you. And so let's talk about the process. I mean, when you first dove into your R&D tax credit study, what was the process like for you and your team? Um, fortunately, we, we were... Um... I think the key for anybody doing it needs to have good timekeeping, good billing uh, information, and good project management style software. You know, because um, if you don't have that, you can't figure out how your times, you know, timesheets and things like that, how people's time is broken up. So that way you can figure out how that can be broken up from a R&D tax credit. So it was diving in that from an accounting side. And then there's a reporting side where once your team has, picks out some projects, then they have to ask my project managers, what did you really do on this project? You know, so they can determine, you know, is it an R and D, how that fits in with the R and D process. So it's, it is an effort. It takes time. It, you know, it's not an overnight thing. It, it takes, you know, weeks, if not months to first one was even more challenging because we didn't know anything about it. Mm -hmm. And then um, you were doing multiple years at the same time. Sure. Um, and you've already kind of highlighted some recommendations for, let's say there's peers of you around the country who have heard about this incentive, you know, it's still interesting. Now it's been a couple of years, ACEC has put out there that, you know, somewhere less than 20% of design firms are still, have not, are not taking advantage of the credit, right? For numerous reasons. Some of it is tax, um, uh, liability 
um, situations or ownership, um, you know, ESOPs, things of that nature. So you've already highlighted some recommendations for peers that might be on the sidelines looking at it. But what other recommendations would you say would would you highlight for firms that are still sitting on the sidelines? Search and look at it, and then have a meaningful conversation about it, and figure out. Um, what I did learn is our accountant, our accountant is was willing to participate in it and and learn about it, but it wasn't something that he was familiar with. I think you said it before: the bread and butter. They know the bread and butter, what they do, um, and you know, bring them in so that they can get comfortable with it and have them be part of the conversation because there needs to be. You know, they're going to have to edit your tax returns and. Uh, and things of that nature going back so you can uh, get the maximum amount of credit. But the key is it's just understanding and learning that it's a credit and that, you know, you're not doing anything different. And if you are shortchanging yourself if you do not look into it. So that's yeah, the key. I highlight around the country when I present on it that this incentive, you know, the congressional intent um, is really around reducing the high cost of U.S. innovation, right? But innovation, innovation is just a word. Um, you know, it takes people, time, resources, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, as it comes out in the form of a credit, it is a liquidity event, right? It's something that you, as a business owner, have uh, the um, decision, if you will, what to do with those funds. But I'm, so I'm curious, what have you been able to, as a firm, accomplish with these incentives that have come back in your coffers as a result of going through the process? What is it, what has it meant to you as a firm? Well, I mean, you know, for us, it's allowed me to put additional funds back into the company. You know, what kind of software can we get? We need additional license. You know, I'm a pretty, pretty much a penny pincher when it comes to certain things. Try, you know, like if we can get away with two licenses, why do we need three? You know, um, those kind of things add up, but I'm all about efficiencies when it comes to those, so we can justify it. But it takes money to grow. And if you're not, yeah, Marcus Wag said this to me, if the very first um, Principles Academy I went to, like, if you're not growing, you're dying. And I swear I've heard him say it a hundred times since then. But, you know, and it's true. You've got to constantly be growing and it takes capital to grow. So you, as a business owner, as a leader, need to look for every way you can to get additional capital back into the company it doesn't cost you anything, you know, and it, this doesn't cost you anything to do. You know, your, you know, your fee is taken out of what you're earning back. So it really doesn't cost anything um, at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've, I've used that quote a number of times. And I want to say it was Lou Holtz may have and, been the, may have been the first one that said it, but it's, it's so it paints a perfect picture, right? You know, if you're not growing, you're dying. Um, and so it's very good. Well, hey, again, I appreciate your time. I, I do have a final question. This is really just kind of a curveball at you. I, I enjoyed it so much with, with Jeff. I, I, I had to float it by you first. And you know I gave you some time, some opportunity, and I'm, I'm really intrigued to hear how, how you're going to answer this question. But here's the final question. So sure. if you were to produce your cinema biography, what actor, dead or alive, would play your role, and what would the name of that film be and why? Name of the film, I'm not sure, but I will tell you that uh, I would like a younger Harrison Ford. You know, okay. he's a little old. You know, I don't want, I don't need him to be 30 years older than me playing me. Yeah, but 
I just recently started flying in January and he's an avid pilot. Um, and then I also like the character that he played in the uh, like clear and present danger and great Patriot games, Jack Ryan, that kind of, you know, very smart, very, um, but very leadership quality, very, you know, so I think he would, he would be great. Um, you know, name, I don't know. I don't have a, the name of the film. Uh, I'm, I'm a staff trying to figure out life's an adventure. So I'm trying to figure out something along those lines. You know, every day is a new challenge. Yeah, I think that's sufficient. Now, is it, that mean, does it also mean that you're afraid of snakes? Me? I, so, well, you went on a trip with me, so you know I'm afraid of one thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, very afraid of one thing, which people laugh at me when I tell them I'm learning how to fly because I'm, exactly. I'm super afraid of heights. Um, and then the second thing is, yeah, I, I don't like snakes and I re really don't like big spiders. So, um, but those are my those are my three things. But I did overcome the height thing with you, zip lining in Idaho, which, I mean, come on, zip lining is one thing, but zip lining from mountaintop to mountaintop is freaking scary. Yeah, and you and you were the first chair. I think you were the first guy that went on the first chair after you know just fretting the whole whole kind of hike to it. It was fantastic. Oh, I, my attitude is charge the hill and get it done. Sitting there and waiting for everybody to go just lets the anxiety build up. So it's like well, I, your... I'm not waiting. I am not waiting. Yeah, there's the name of your film. What did you say? Charge charge the front. You just said something. It was perfect. That would have been a good one. Charge the hill. Yeah, charge yeah, the hill. Good. That's exactly right. <laughs> uh, you know, and it's funny too. And you know, I I couldn't pronounce this word earlier. Shame on me. Enigmatic. You know, for those that on the broadcast that don't know what that means, and, and because I know Rob, it makes perfect sense, but it's difficult to interpret or understand and mysterious. That's Rob Matthews the third, everybody. Um, finally, just to close this out, you know, we talked about Matthews, talked about DCCM, but how can people find you? You know, is it LinkedIn, your website? You know, what's the best way for people to find out more about you? Yeah, both of them. Um, I'm on. We're pretty prolific on posting on LinkedIn, uh, our websites, mdginc.com, you know, so find us there and um, you know, we're happy for to answer any questions on this topic or anything. Fantastic. Again, uh, great interview. Appreciate your time. Again, I know it's it's it's, it's valuable for, for us and the audience to hear you. I know how busy you've been and been tough logistically trying to get a schedule for this, but it, it makes perfect sense as to why. So congratulations. Hope to see you in Frisco, Texas. And again, congratulations on, um, you know, one of the best places to work and, and all those accolades you guys tend to get. So who to see you guys. I'll see you in Frisco. I'll be there. I just booked a ticket. Fantastic. Gosh, I, I need to come up with another word. I keep using the word fantastic. I'm going to start using spectacular or fabulous. I got tired of the word awesome, so that's why I changed it. Now I use fantastic all the time. But anyways, enough about me. Thanks again. Thank you, Rob, for that insightful conversation. To learn more about Matthew's DCCM, please visit them on the web at www.mdginc.com. Be sure to turn in the next broadcast of Behind the Bottom Line. To learn more about Corporate Tax Advisors, visit us at corporatetaxadvisors.com.